Welcome to Kingdom Conversations Women's Edition. My name is Crystal Fulton, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts. I will let them introduce themselves. Tori Anderson. And Alicia Halliburton. So um, let's go ahead and just start with birthing. So how was y'all's experience with birthing? Um, I'll go ahead and I'll start. Um, For me, because... My birthing experience, so uh, it was in a hospital. I actually got diagnosed with preeclampsia, which is, for those who don't know what it is, it's when um, you have high blood pressure um, during pregnancy. And um, I feel like a lot of it was due to what I talked about in the first session where it was just stress. I did not. It was crazy because I did not have high blood pressure throughout my pregnancy. It was just right at the end where it showed up. And um, with twins, they were not playing about that. So um, it was just going up and down, up and down. Um, I wanted to just I didn't want to have to have to have a C-section. So they had to do emergency C-section at 36 weeks. And. Um, I was trying to stall as much as I could because I didn't want to have, like I said, I didn't want to have a C-section. I had seen a C-section. It wasn't pretty and I didn't want it to happen to me. So, but um, it had to happen. So we ended up getting a C-section. My daughter, she was five pounds and some ounces. And I'll explain why I don't know that in our, um, towards the end. And then, um, my son was three pounds. And so anyway, um, my son was taken to the NICU and I was pretty much sent off to recovery. So after I got into recovery, everything kind of went blurry from there because they overdosed me on mag magnesium actually because of my blood pressure they gave me mag to try to bring it down and they gave me too much so when I was recovering they had you know the PCA pump which is I'm sorry patient controlled anesthesia it's like pain medicine so they had me on that and I already had this magnesium in my system already so I was pretty much out of it just totally out of it. And I just was in and out. There's a lot I don't remember. And that's why I don't remember how much um, like the ounces on my babies because I was out. Like I remember holding my baby, holding Micaiah, um, briefly holding Joel. And then after that, I, I don't remember. So that's what happened with that. And so Joel was in the NICU. And so then... When I came to, Octavian had called me on FaceTime and I was, he was trying to show me Joelle. And I noticed that my eyes were not aligned. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So um, I was like, something is not right, Octavian. Like something's not right. And I was like, you need to call somebody. So at that time, I, I believe he called pastor and they started praying and I think he, yeah, he talked to the nurse. And um, after that, like I said, I was just in and out. Um, I ended up coming to, and it was like a whole bunch of medical professionals around me. And I knew what they were doing. They were testing to see if I had a stroke. And um, then I went down to get a CT. I remember that. And then came back up. And I remember the nurse telling me to push the button for pain. And I was, I'm totally out of it. I'm not feeling anything. So I ended up hiding the button underneath my, I remember hiding the button underneath my legs so that I could not get any more payment um, to try to get whatever was in my system that was causing me to be so groggy out. So finally I started coming more like more coherent I remember I was in a different room on a different floor and that's where things started kind of coming around. I remember um, Micaiah was in the room with Octavian and it was just, it was a really, really, cause I don't want to be long. So, but it was just a really, really trying time. Like it was, it wasn't a really good birthing experience. And 
I couldn't get out of bed. So I didn't get to see Joel for, for probably about a couple of days. I finally, we finally got around to seeing Joel. Um, but Octavian, he saw him every day. So yeah, it was just, it was, it was tough. So it really changed my perspective on hospital birth, nonetheless. And it really made me realize how the statistics on Black women having babies and um, dying, either postpartum or while they're having babies, how real that can be and how easily that can happen and how it's just so important for us to really take care of ourselves and like my hats off to you guys doing the home births um because yeah I would have so much preferred that and it was just yeah it was a really really tough time it sounds like it like wow I'm just taking it all in because that's the first time I've heard that story and I can only imagine what that must have been like you know, going through it and then not only going through it, but processing it, you know, afterwards. So I'm just wondering, like, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with, you know, just processing your birth story and experience? Um, you know, like, cause I, I probably would be angry, um, and you know, just all kinds of emotions. So I'm just wondering, how did you deal with that? Um, I really tried not to think about it too much. And I, um, at first, you know what, to be honest with you, at first I was like, I want to sue them. I want to sue them. I'm like, I'm a nurse. Like, why would they even, you know, but then it was just like, you know what, I have to focus on my babies. You know, I have to focus on taking care of them and moving forward and not like just be stressed out trying to find an attorney and doing this and doing that. So I just redirected my focus, but it was, it was devastating because I'm like, I wanted that beautiful birthing experience. I, you know, um, being able to tell people the ounces of my babies, you know, I just stuff like that. I just felt like it was, it was just snatched away from me and yeah, it was frustrating, but I just redirected, just thought about something else thought about my babies yeah and yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did that go ahead Tori no just one thing that you said is that they overdosed you on magnesium um I actually have a friend the same thing happened to her mm. he, um her blood pressure went up and they were just pretty much like you gotta have this baby now and they induced her and you know her baby was fine and I, um something happened right after she had the baby I can't remember but one thing is that she said is that they overdosed her on mechanism as well. So it just made me wonder also how you were saying, Crystal, um, just how black women are treated. And I mean, yeah. and the statistics for black women dying from C-sections and postpartum is crazy because I know and I mentioned it last time about how my doctor was pushing me to was pressuring. I felt as though she was pressuring me to have a C-section. And I was like, no, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm not, you know, having a C-section. So, no, I just thought that that was interesting. But go ahead, Alicia. Well, um, yeah, I guess, um, I guess I'm still processing it because that is tough. And, And I love what you said about just redirecting your focus. Because one thing I know about the enemy is he will use and find any crack or crevice that he can. And a huge access door is offense. And so just by you guarding your heart and choosing not to focus on everything that went wrong and choosing a different way and a different perspective, I think that was really wise and and, and just, uh, yeah, just wise of you. And I'm just thinking of people who may have had a similar experience, like hopefully they can be encouraged by that. Um, because ultimately, you know, you're still here and it's a testament to like the father's still faithful, you know, your babies are, are healthy, uh, you know, so even, even though he tried it, even though the devil tried it, like everything, you guys are safe. And, um, I think for me, that's kind of the approach I had to take as well, because I also did not get the, um, the experience that I wanted when I had my hospital birth, um, and this is not to bash hospitals and say all hospitals are bad and you can't have, you know, a good experience in the hospital. 
but um you know we're just sharing our truth and sharing what happened with us so um with Judah (laughs) I was such a typical like you know first time mom we brought our whole house with us to the hospital um and I remember (laughs) I feel like my first mistake was going to the hospital way too soon um I remember you know I started feeling some things feeling some contractions they were five minutes apart and so you know of course me just jumping in the first time dad mo he was like well he actually called my mom and when he told her that they were five minutes apart she was like go to the hospital (laughs) and I just remember being like I don't want to go to the hospital like I'm not ready yet (laughs) and I wish I would have kind of stuck to that but anyway at the time I think I was already past my my due date again I was like 40 almost 41 weeks that at the time and so basically they were like and, and by the time I got checked in, my contractions had completely stopped. And so basically they were like, because you're past 40 weeks, we're keeping you. So like it or not, you're going to have this baby one way, or the, one way or the other. And from there, it was like I was on a time clock, um, you know, and I, you know, I knew I wanted to have a natural birthing experience without any medication. You know, I had all my, my good music and, you know, all my, all the things that I felt like were going to help me to get to that point. And, and I labored for about 18 hours. Like, so what they ended up doing, they ended up, um, they wanted to induce me, but I was like, no, I don't want that. So they ended up breaking my water and that kicked things into gear. Um, and then they, they were just, they were just doing all kinds of stuff to me to try to make Judah come out and Judah wasn't having it. So essentially, um, after like 18 hours of laboring and contractions and they came and checked me and they were like, you're still four centimeters. I was like, give me an epidural now. Like, do not wait, <laughs> just do it right now. And, and so I ended up getting the epidural and it wasn't working. And I remember them saying, oh, you're tall. You know, it may just take a little bit longer, whatever. And I'm like, nope, I'm still feeling stuff. And so essentially I ran out of time and they weren't able to, um, the anesthesiologist wasn't able to come back. So I'm like, now I have done something I didn't want to do. And it's not even helping me. I was like hyperventilating because I was in so much pain. So long story short, you know, I ended up, I was able to have a vaginal birth that I wanted, but there were so many interventions. It wasn't the story that I wanted, you know, I had a, a significant tear, um, just, it just wasn't the birth that I envisioned. And while I was really grateful that, um, you know, I got here safely, Judy got here safely, I definitely felt some type of way, like, man, I wish that they had just let my body do what it was designed to do, instead of, it was like, because you have been here this many hours, you have this much time, or we're going, you're going to have to either get induced, get a C-section, like basically your time is up. So that was probably the thing that um, bothered me the most. So, you know, with Anaya, I was like, redemption story. We got to do things different. Um, so, yeah, but I don't want to, Tori, I'll give you the opportunity if you wanted to share like what it was like for you. Um, My story was similar to yours. You know, Alicia, I um, didn't want to go to the doctor. DJ called Pastor Renee and Pastor Renee was like, the baby is on the way. And I remember we got to the hospital and I cried in the parking lot because I'm like, they just going to check me. It's going to hurt and they're going to send me home. But because <laughs> my doctor was like, well, you two days away from your um your due date and he was on call. He was like, just go ahead and get checked in. And I was at four centimeters already. And so that was at like nine o'clock. So they let me labor all night or whatever. And still the next morning, I was still only at four centimeters. And so that's when they start pumping me up with stuff. And then around 12 o'clock, it was time to push. And I pushed for two and a half hours. And at um, about an hour and a half in, the doctor came in and was like, I'm going to give you 30 more minutes to an hour to push. If she's not out, I'm taking you in for a C-section. And apparently, Dorora went up. So I had to push her down and push her out. And um, I had a really bad tear. Um, and I actually had to get physical therapy after my tear. And I don't know if y'all, uh, how much y'all know, but until I, that happened to me, I didn't know anything about getting a uh, pelvic floor physical therapy. Had no idea about that. And just 
how helpful it was. And, you know, uh, I know, I mean, we all know people who've had babies, obviously, but I didn't know anyone who experienced that. I didn't know anyone who was having the trouble that I had. Everybody was just like, um, when it came to intimacy with my husband, I was like, oh, you just need some lube. I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not it. So um, I ended up switching doctors again after I had my baby and she was able to help me and get me in touch with some people who were, who were really able to help me. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that I regret from my first pregnancy is just not being educated enough. You yes. know, a lot of time people think just because something is natural, they think it's going to be easy. And that, that wasn't the case. I thought that, oh, my body can do this. I'm just going to go in labor and I'm going to have this baby. And that wasn't that. So with the second go round, we took daddy doula classes. I took a breastfeeding class. You know, I had my midwife. I watched, I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I watched. I read books, you know, just taking time to educate myself more um, on birth. And I did. I had a great home birth. It was um but also, I guess the biggest thing that I learned with my second baby was I learned to advocate for myself instead of just allowing the doctors to say, this is what we're going to do. Like, and one thing my midwife would tell me all the time is that medical professionals, they advise you. They don't tell you what to do. And so one thing I really learned was like, OK, nobody's going to I think what was that Molly? They used to say it all the time, Alicia. Nobody's going to stand up for you, but you or something she used to say like that. But nobody's going to advocate for yourself with you. And that was one of the biggest things I learned um, with my second baby. So I don't want to take up too much time because I could talk about home birthing forever. Uh, no, I'm so glad you brought that up about like natural should be easy. But what they don't tell you is birth is so medicalized now, especially in the U.S. It's almost impossible for natural to be easy because there's so many interventions. There's so many like just things that are just really unnecessary and <laughs> this is another one of the things that I'm real feel real strongly about so I mean I just I'm so glad that we have learned a lot more and that really helped us the second go around but I'm also you know I just I just hate that um, so many people don't they don't know they don't know how to advocate they don't have a good support system they don't have the tools right. and the resources they don't even have access to a birthing center or a midwife or you know all of these things that we almost didn't have access to and had to literally like search to find or you in your case like fell upon this experience that you still may not have uh, otherwise had because it's so look like would have Kim didn't have a spot open, you know, like it's, it's, it's so few um, midwives in this area. So anyways. Yeah. And even <laughs> with the, like the C-section, like uh, even when I told my Kim, that was her name, my midwife. Uh, um, one thing she said is that she sees in the city of Memphis, how black women are treated when it comes to birth, as opposed to white women. And I was like, if you work in this and you you telling me this, like what's really going on in the right. industry? So just back to what you were Crystal saying, Crystal, like taking care of ourselves, like health and, you know, just don't take what the doctors say and keep on going because even people in my close circle were just saying, well, you know, I wouldn't switch doctors because they talking about a C-section or, you know, I think you mentioned it last time, Alicia, like the idea of home birthing was just like crazy, like... Why are you doing that? You know, and then what people, some people, nobody even asked us, do y'all take y'all kids to the doctors? I was like, I had a baby at home. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yep, that, you're so right. Like, on the one hand, it's like, you want to get the care that you need and you don't even expect the, um, the backlash and the stigma that comes with you wanting to advocate for yourself and do what your body was designed to do. Like that blew my mind. I was like, wow. I mean, I get it because I know that people usually are uncomfortable with what they don't know about, right. but it, this should be the normal. Right. <laughs> and also people did this for, you know, thousands of years, uh, no problems. Like, <laughs> but because people don't know and they've only seen it a certain way. I even, um, I was watching this documentary and it was talking about how at a certain point, I want to say it was like around the seventies uh, when, you know, uh, C-sections became more popular. It was like, um, it was almost like a commercial for a Kit Kat or something. Like they made it seem like 
it was the the thing to do. Like, make sure you know you, it's the easy thing to do. Just say, I'll just take your baby, and then you're done. Like, so, anyways, um, yeah, it it really bothers me about that and it surprised me about the stigma kind of like what you were um talking about on the end yeah no i got mad at somebody one day and i was like well jesus was born, wasn't born in a hospital <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true though <laughs> like what were they doing back in the day like how how did yeshua come like it, it's it's so true you were saying alicia our bodies naturally do this thing And everything about having a hospital birth is totally like the opposite of what our bodies naturally do, like laying down. Um, Gravity is actually supposed to help. Um, Toy, I thought about that when you said door went up. Well, you were probably laying down, right? When that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's, it's just amazing. Like when I was um, in school, we were learning about, you know, delivery and all of that. And it was just amazing to me how our bodies adapt and how like when we have the child, the biblical cord is the exact link to reach the breast so that the baby can feed and still be attached. And how we have mechanisms in our body that produce all the nutrients needed for our baby like our body just naturally does this like we're not asking it to it just naturally does that and how when we breastfeed the child how that um sends signals to our brain to cause our uterus to contract so that the placenta can come out but instead we have other things in place where it's like okay let's induce the labor let's, let's get this placenta out. Let's, you know, it's not put the baby to the breast so that the placenta can come out natural. Um, it's just, it's so much. And, um, there's so many other things and complications that can come with, um, forcing, um, things to happen when it naturally just can happen. Like if there's a small part of the placenta that's left inside of the mom, it can cause a woman to bleed out and you can actually be really, really fatal during birth. So it's, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things that Elohim just made our bodies to naturally do this thing. You know, he didn't make our bodies to, for us to be, you know, under a knife or, you know, it's, it's natural and it needs to happen naturally. But um, I will say with my experience, I lost sight of Elohim Mm -hmm. and I lost sight of trusting him with my own earthing and all of that. And the enemy was allowed to come in when I was like stressing about stuff that I didn't and not going to the father. So I'm sharing that to so it can be a testament to someone else who might be experiencing a lot of stress during, you know, during pregnancy or whatever, that they, you know, follow the father, that they go to the father, go before the father and really trust him as opposed to trusting everything else that's going on around you and not be that stony heart and, you know, be that good ground and allow Elohim to just work through you and all of that. So yeah, I don't want to take up too much time, but I just wanted to say that like mm-hmm. our bodies are amazing. And they, yeah. if we just let it do what it does, then there's a lot of things that just would not happen. Right. Yeah. And I know one thing, Crystal, uh, I just wanted to mention real quick that uh, when we let our bodies do what they naturally do, um, with my first baby, they checked me like four or five times, like to see if I, um, how many centimeters I was. But with my second baby, I was in labor before my midwife checked me. And mm. she was like, I only checked you because you didn't seem like you were sure. So like, just goes back to something that 
you know, when you when you're that far and you're pregnant, the first thing the first thing people ask you, well, how dilated are you? And, and dilation is not an indicator that you are ready to give birth. You can sit at eight centimeters for like two, three weeks and you just sitting at eight centimeters like that baby's not coming. And so really just going back to just like letting our bodies naturally do what it was designed to do. Because I think you said, Alicia, you can almost kind of just show up for birth, you know, because it's going to do what it needs to do. But I also love, Crystal, how you said that um, the enemy had access, you know, like people want to blame the enemy for everything. But he can't come unless you give him access, because scripture says that he roams around seeking whom he may devour. So we got to give them access, you know, whether we have those doors open or not. But his vision is to kill, steal and destroy us. And so he's going to take absolutely every opportunity and even using you when you're vulnerable after giving birth. You know, that's a very open. I don't even know how to say that, but it's you just got to be guarded, you know. And yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that how you said that you gave him access. So, Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's true. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's true because like he he had been after, honestly, the enemy had been after <laughs> um my reproductive system way before I got pregnant. So he he just wouldn't stop. He just didn't stop. You know, it was me that stopped, you know. <clears throat> so yeah. But I thank Elohim that he showed himself. He showed himself strong. And like Alicia, like you said, my babies are healthy. They're here. And it's all because of the father. It it truly is because of the father. Yeah. And and even as you're talking, I'm just thinking about like uh, grace and mercy. And I know, you know, sometimes people abuse, um, abuse the idea like, almost in a haughty, like pompous, I don't know. Like some people are bold, way bolder than me. Um, Because I know for you, Crystal, like it wasn't necessarily like intentional. Like I'm just gonna, you know, like you were going through a lot, you know, that sort of thing, but you also are not making an excuse. And I think that's what some people do is, you know, make an excuse. But at the same time, I'm also so thankful that even when we do, miss it that the holy spirit and the father he's so mindful of us that he'll give us the opportunity to get it right and to get back on track and and i'm just so thankful that you made choices to do that um you know so and that you're able to be honest and share like that that's where you were but that's not where you stayed right Um, and so i'm i'm thankful that you you know made those choices to kind of to grow and that the father's mercy, you know, he showed himself merciful. Um, you know, scripture says his mercy is new every morning. Like, so we have the opportunity. It's just, what are we going to do with it? Right. Um, so, yeah, so I, I definitely wanted to commend you for, for that. And um, something else you were talking about, like how our bodies are just supposed to, you know, how we were designed to do certain things. And when I say it, honestly, even as you were talking just about just how intricate, um, and how amazingly designed our bodies are. It like brings me to tears when I really think about it. And the more I learn and just how intentional and, and the thought that people that, yeah, people are trying to mimic that and recreate that and um, poison that, redefine the family, like it's sickening. And the more that I learn, I'm just so much in awe of the father and um just he just so intelligent man um but I, I will never forget with Anaya because with uh with Judah you know like I said there were so many interventions that I didn't really get to experience birth in its full form and so with Anaya um so when I so okay so of course from Judah I learned don't go to the hospital too early in this case I actually birthed at a birthing center, even though I had a midwife, I didn't have my baby at home. And so um, 
it just so happened that my midwife was off that weekend. And so, you know, that was one access door I had to keep closed of fear. Like I'm, I literally had to work with someone that I met once, you know, I knew it was a possibility that my midwife would not be available and she was not. So, you know, immediately the enemy was trying to like get me to, and I was like, I'm not even thinking about that. So anyway, so, you know, we have been doing all the things we could to try to get Anaya like out. Cause like I said, they were also saying, if you don't have her by this day, then you're going to the hospital. Like we have to do it. So I had that pressure that I also had to, like, it was just, it's such a mental game. The more, you know, I think about it, like it's such a mental game and Tori, like you were just saying about that access door, like the enemy, he was trying to play on all of that stuff and play on my emotions. And I was just like, nope, <laughs> close that door, close that. Like, no, I'm not letting you get me off focus. So anyway, so we, um, uh, the day before the day that they were like, you're going to have to go. Um, I started feeling some things. I'm like, okay, I mean, this ain't the first time I felt it. And then they stopped. I felt it. And then it was stopped. So I started feeling some things and then it just got progressively closer, like really fast. Um, I'm trying not to make this such a long story, but there's another component that came out and I'll never forget the conversation I had with Demetrius and we were talking about should birth be really painful because, you know, there's a scripture that talks about, (laughs) it's all in your face. (laughs) there's a scripture that talks about, you know, Hava or Eve and how the scripture says like you will uh, have pain during childbirth and on all of that. But also, you know, we know that we have been restored. So is that, I mean, is that still true? Like, does that mean I have to suffer and feel like I'm going to die as I described it, which I shouldn't say that, but that's what I, when, that's what I told, um, the I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to die yet. So no, we're not, we're not leaving to go. So anyway, so that was another way that the father showed himself faithful. And I was just so amazed because I learned about, um, oxytocin and um what they call the uh what is it fear pain uh, it's fear pain contraction fear pain and pleasure fear contraction pain. no oh. contraction fear pain contraction fear pain and basically what it's saying is when you get trapped in this cycle like that a contraction means when you associate that because you're having a contraction that means you have to be suffering and that's not true. Like we have connected those things, but that's not true. And so you have to like kind of unlearn that and learn about oxytocin, relaxation, like, cause the father, he did, you know, he uh, created our bodies to contract and, and, you know, y'all know like the whole process. But when I say I was so relaxed during my um, contractions, it was not painful to me. It was not painful to me. Like I cannot, it was, it was, it was weird. Like I felt them. I knew that they were really strong. I knew that they were really intense, but it wasn't painful. And I know it was because I had meditated on the word. And also I was convinced in my head that yes, Hava, she did mess up. Yep. That, that's what she did, but I've been redeemed. And the scripture says by the stripes of Yeshua, I'm healed. And the script, so I focused on that. And it was not like that. It was not unbearable. It was not painful for me. And so now what did hurt was when that baby was coming out. And so when you were talking about um, like how it's just natural and it should be easy, I will, I will never forget. So finally we get to the birth center at like midnight, right? And so they're, you know, getting all the things brought in, getting set up, finally get me in my room. Um, and everyone else was gone because we had just got there. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I got to push. And then 10 seconds later, like, I was pushing her out. Like, it was like, it was so strong. I had not, I didn't feel that with Judah. But it was like, whether I wanted to do it or not, Anaya had decided now was the time to come. And she was coming out. And like, just that sensation of, like it was, it was like almost an out of body thing because I was like, oh my gosh, like I cannot control this. My body is pushing this baby out. And um, 
uh, I don't even remember the, the times. Like I would have to pull up my phone, but within 10 minutes, that baby was out. <laughs> like she, we were not at the birth center even an hour and she was out. And it was just so like, it went so quick. I was almost like, wait, did that just happen? Like what just happened? So I was, I finally got to witness like, even like you were talking about Crystal, just the intricacy of how our bodies are designed and see that full process. And all I could say was, thank you, Lord. Like that's, I just kept saying that after she came out, I was like, thank you, Lord. Like I was so tired, but <laughs> I was so thankful because I was like, wow, that was so beautiful. And to get to experience that, you know, especially after like what happened with my first birth. So it does, it can happen, you know, um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful to be able to have witnessed that. A question, Alicia, did you, um, did you say you had an epidural with the first baby with Judah? I did. You did. Okay. Yeah, I did. And wasn't no, wasn't no medicine, wasn't no, <laughs> with the second go around, it was like, I mean, I knew like that was, and I, and I felt such intense pain with Judah um, and I had to, I, I talked about this in the other episode about how I was so fearful of that pain um, and to go through the process again and how I had to uproot that fear um, in order to, and I know that was also crucial to me being able to stay calm and really relaxed, you know, the second time. So I'm just so grateful that, you know, I was able to do that because that's, that's a lot going through a fully natural birth, you know, like it, it, it definitely can be intense. But the father helped me and carried me through that whole thing. And, and all I would say is the ring of fire is fire. But outside of that, like it was not, it was not painful for me. It was just, it was a lot of pressure, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't pain. I, did, I guess my body, I just didn't interpret it as that. I don't know. That's amazing that the one thing that you feared, um, and that's how the enemy works, that one thing that you feared, you didn't even experience. Right. And that's exactly how he works. It's just false, like just totally false, how we can be afraid of something. And then if it were to actually happen, it's nothing. Mm. Like if we actually face that thing that we feared, it was, it's nothing. Hmm. But that'll preach. Can we just, can we just take a <laughs> bird for one second? Because that is so true in life. Like that's how he gets us. Like we get so fearful and so focused on the thing or the situation instead of focusing on the answer, which is found in the word. Like greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can overcome anything. So no matter what it looks like, no matter, you know, how big, like I'm thinking about your diagnosis. Like they literally told Crystal, they diagnosed her with cancer, fibroids, endometrial. And, and she has twins. Like, I, I will never get over that. <laughs> so, like, man, it's just, uh, I, I think about, I've heard people say um, fear is false evidence appearing real. <laughs> and that's the truth. Like, it's, it's, it's false at the end of the day. It's, it's just a it's your perception. Yeah, that whole belief system. Like, it's just amazing how if we be, we can believe something false. And I think I said this in one of our episodes that um, your perception is your reality and how your perception could be false. That belief system could be false based on like something like fear. You just totally believe it. And it's so true in your mind that you've, you've made it your truth and it's all false. And I'm, I can really attest to that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tori, you can go ahead and go if you have something to say. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I was listening and just forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, but I did have a question that kind of relates to um birth and postpartum. Um I know we we were mentioning families, but how was you guys as husbands during this process? Um, them being the source and leader of the family, you know, how did their role or how that? How were they in they in them being in position? How did that affect you um, in birthing and postpartum? So whoever wants to go first. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. That's a, that's a really good question, and it's funny because I was gonna say we should have did an episode with them to also talk about their perspective. Because Crystal, I was really even interested to 
us see like what Octavian, what it was like for him, you know, going through that, seeing his wife go through the things, you know, that he did. And, you know, I just, oh, I would, that would be something, you know, a whole nother thing. But um, what was it like? Um, I feel like the biggest lesson I learned in this past year is listen to your husband period. Like <laughs> I have, like, I have, I have such respect for him. Um, and such just, I don't know, like my heart, my admiration has grown for him through this process. Um, and seeing how he, you know, cares for me and treats me and, um, but also seeing him in his role. Cause you mentioned something that was key. Like, him being in position as the strong leader of our family. And so um, from the time we got there, I'm thinking about uh, Anaya's birth. He was praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. Him and my mom praying in the spirit. And that brought me comfort because ultimately I knew like I was covered, you know? So I, it was almost like I didn't have to, um, because there, there were little things that were trying to come up or whatever. And I was just focused on, on this. Like it, it allowed me to just stay in my lane. Cause I didn't have to worry about, you know, like he was covering me. I didn't have to, I didn't have to try to cover myself essentially. So I would say for me, um, that was, that was really huge. And I was able to see that. Um, I mean, I, I see it, you know, anyways, but it was like a tangible, like, oh, wow, I'm covered. Like, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to, you know, try to do that for myself. So that was one example I thought about. With Octavian, he, when that thing happened where they thought I had a stroke, I just remember seeing all the medical professionals in the room and I just happened to look down and um, like towards the foot of my bed and I saw Octavian and it was like, he was the calm in the midst of this whole storm. And that's the one thing I would say that I admire so much is like he, maybe on the inside, he was feeling something, but he was just so calm and um, he knew who to call. He knew to start praying. And um, like you said, um, Alicia, you know, you knew that, I knew that I was covered in prayer with Octavian. And I don't know what it would have been like if I looked down and he looked nervous, like, or if he was like all out of order, like what that would have done for me. But I know when I did look down and I saw him and I saw how calm he was, it really gave me like a sense of peace, you know? And so, yeah, I would say that that was like a major thing especially in in that moment at that moment because I had no clue what was going on all I knew is that I couldn't wake up all the way and I was just going in and out and I don't know I didn't know what was going on so to wake up and see my husband just calm and all these medical professionals are like around me um trying to figure out what's going on and I remember him telling me he called pastor and then they took me away so yeah wow See, wow, just like just listening to that and just how husbands are the source of the family and still just like seeing two other women like, you know, obviously birth has a lot to do with women, but, you know, definitely how important husbands are. I definitely don't want to undermine them and just to how I mean, just people just seem to throw the men to the side when yes. we're talking about birthing and women's issues. And so definitely just just how important they are. Um, and y'all husbands are great because mine fell asleep after the baby came <laughs> he was real calm <laughs> very calm but I, will, <laughs> but I will say this that like even up to gabriel coming like because i had actually i had gabriel tuesday morning but i had been having contractions my contractions for about 15 minutes apart for two days so like even through that like he was still right there. And I think he had left and went to another friend's house for a while, but he was still like right there checking on me or, you know, even like before I had Gabriel, like the week before I had started having contractions, they weren't major, 
but he had to go to work like he had to do some stuff for our business and so he called my dad to come sit with me and so he's always like how y'all was saying just making sure that we're covered making sure in the roar I should say as well but when it came down to it like in labor doc DJ gonna pick up the phone and call Pastor Renee he gonna call her he gonna call somebody like <laughs> but and I learned to appreciate that because at first I was like leave them alone like you call them all the time but but I learned to appreciate that you know he acknowledges that he doesn't know everything he acknowledges that he's still young and still learning and you know everything is new like we're not even 30 yet so a lot of things are still really new to us and so I can and honestly just looking at my husband like when he went to sleep like he wasn't gonna go to sleep till he knew that everything was okay Right. So, you know, I can appreciate that. And, and with both babies, right when that, I don't know how he know, but right before them babies come out, he is right there. Like, I can't tell you, and Alicia, you may know, I don't know where DJ was during most of uh, the labor. <laughs> I knew he was around, <laughs> but when it was time for Gabriel to come out, DJ was right there, like praying in the spirit, encouraging me, and, you know, telling me I can do it and things like that. So as y'all was saying, I drew from that, like ultimately, Elohim was my source but I still depended on my husband just to speak words of encouragement over me you know so yeah but yeah I was just curious as to you know how y'all husbands were and even with postpartum he'll still he gonna call Dr. Renee he gonna call so (laughs) yeah (laughs) daddy DJ daddy DJ don't play that DJ had me rolling and I will say this because you know obviously Tori was in like labor mode and and I know DJ um was super like he you can tell I mean I shouldn't say obviously but he cares about Tori and he hated to see her you know in pain and stuff like like it you could you could sense that he he just didn't like it and so I feel like that was part of the reason why you know he was like kind of struggling with I don't even say struggling but just like he wasn't, he wasn't liking that. And, uh, but I remember texting him like, DJ, <laughs> he was like, I don't think I can do it. Yes, you can, DJ, you are doing it. Like you are right here by her. And, and like she said, like he, she, uh, he was telling her, you can do it to her, you know? And I, I'm so glad and so proud of him because I, I can only imagine how hard that was for him because, you know, and I remember Demetra saying this once before, like, he hated that there was nothing he could do as far as like make the pain stop or, you know, he couldn't have the baby for us. So like, I can only imagine what that must be like for them. So Tori, I'm so glad that you brought that up because you're right. So many times, uh, especially I'm like in the hospital industry and stuff like they don't, I remember, I feel like they were, they had told you or someone has said something to the effect of like, if he pass out, then, you know, we'll worry about him later type thing. You know, we're worried about the mom. And that's just the whole vibe and message that is sent. It's like they're insignificant. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I was thinking how amazing it is that the DJ just wants to do, wants to make sure he does the right thing. So he calls pastor and them. And that, that's just, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how you were saying, Alicia, like have just the admiration that you have. Like, I've grown to respect that. Bitch ain't gonna ask a question. Like, if he doesn't understand, he's <laughs> going to get clarity. But I appreciate just the humility that he has, yeah. just to, you know, and just to, and that's something that I've tried to adopt in my life as well. Like, Tori, you don't know everything. So let's pull a DJ and ask a question. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. So, um, we are just down. We're actually just down to the uh, last question. I know we talked about our diet. So, or did we talk about our diets postpartum? I know I said for me, I got off of my diet. Um, I was on an alkaline diet, just in case I didn't say it during this one. I think I said it in part um, one. Um, I was on an alkaline diet. I was um, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and all of that. And postpartum, it was so busy trying to juggle two babies. Um, Luckily, um, Joel was in the NICU for like two weeks. And so we just had Micaiah. So, and they gave us Joel's feeding schedule. So what we did was 
we got Micaiah on Joel's feeding schedule. So when he came home, they were being fed at the same time. And glory to Elohim, they both fell asleep at the same time. So we got them on the same sleeping schedule. Yeah. So that was um, really good. But um, I was just so busy uh, because, you know, you know how it is when you have newborns, you have to feed them every every so often. And so um, I, I really my whole exercise because I was exercising with Octavian at one point when I was pregnant. And so that kind of dwindled. And then my diet, it wasn't that, you know, I stopped eating fruits and vegetables and started eating bad. I just almost just stopped eating because I was just so um, into trying to take care of the twins. Um, so, yeah. Um, and slowly I got back up, um, on it, but I started to, I changed it from alkaline to more so, um, pescatarian or, um, where I wouldn't eat like meats instead, like chicken and beef and all of that, like those meats that they add hormones and stuff to because of the fibroids, because fibroids pretty much grow off of hormones. So I tried to limit the amount of hormones that, um, I know was being placed in my body. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just kind of like eat fish. Um, so yeah, um, my diet did change. And of course the lack of eating um, <clears throat> did do a, you know, a wear on my body. But um, like I said, I eventually kind of got back into it, but yeah. Yeah, I had forgot that that happened to me until you said it. But I do remember afterwards, it was like, I just didn't eat. Mm -hmm. And that has never been my testimony. Like, I, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew, like, when I was experiencing that, like, something's not quite, you know, right here. And, um, and so I remember one time getting prayer because I'm like, I, I was just an emotional wreck. Um you know, I'm not eating, I'm not doing these things. And <laughs> dad was pretty much like, it's your hormones. Like, he, it was like, he was like, it ain't even that deep. You making it more than it is, you know, like it's your hormones. And he was right. Um, it, it was still like, my body was still trying to regulate. And, um, and even though it was definitely a spiritual battle and, and, or, you know, like things going on in my mind, it was, more so what was going on in my body and then like the thoughts that I like basically I have formulated all these thoughts that just were just imaginary like it didn't even it wasn't a thing I had made it up like um I don't know I'm trying not to go too much into that because I know I've kind of touched on that so all that to say um once I started making changes and getting back to taking care of my body um, and also the changes that I made about how I looked at my situation, like it, it was like, it just disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of um, this woman that we know. She said that uh, I took one of her breastfeeding classes and she was like, it ain't the devil attacking you, your hormones out of whack. And she was just saying, you know, is that we just have to have knowledge of what's going on with our bodies after we have babies. So I did the same thing, um, except I did, with both kids, actually, I had stopped eating and sleeping. So for Dorora, I did it for like a week. But at that time, I didn't have any knowledge on postpartum care, postpartum depression. You know, I just feel like I left the hospital with a baby and a pack on how to take care of the baby. Didn't know anything about that. Um, in the second go round, I am, and Alicia, you actually just made me realize this while we were on the podcast that actually... Kim saving me a spot was a provision that was made and I never even thought about that until you said that but um just um I was talking to her about like I'm not she asked she would every time I went what's your diet are you exercising like those are like the main things she asked me at every um follow-up um appointment postpartum and I was like I'm not eating I'm not sleeping the kid cry all the time and she would just encourage me all the time you know Make sure you're doing fruits and vegetables, whole foods, you know, no processed foods, lots of lots of water, 
still take your vitamins because you're breastfeeding, you know, things of that nature. And so when I started and it took me a while about I got to like the four month mark. And that's when I started, I, I quit CMOS for a while. And I don't even know why I stopped it. Um, Could have just ran out and just didn't think to get anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But around the four month mark, you know, I started going outside, started going on walks without my children. Um, just to like, just to have a minute to just be outside, to calm down, get some vitamin D from the sun because we need it. And just, uh, cause I ate a lot of pizza after the kid was born. I mean, I wasn't cooking, you know, we didn't have a lot of help. My mom had went back. Uh, so we didn't, and grateful, like the ministry helped us with meals too. So I did, I ate a lot of junk. I ate whatever was there and I drank water. And then around four months, things changed. So um, I'm di- I'm a diehard advocate for their CMOS. Like, you know, anybody want me to be a, a spokesman for their CMOS business? Not- <laughs> Hereby granted the position. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want I wanted to say this really quick because something something you said uh, a couple things that you said, but one thing that I've learned um, is again the timeline that we put on ourselves, um, yep. like. <laughs> and I, I remember someone had said something to the effect of if your baby is three years old you still just had a baby like it's really like we try to we I mean that's a little bit of an exaggeration but the point is like it's like we expect okay six weeks you should be able to go back to work you should be able to do it. like yeah that is so not accurate um you're you are I'm still going through changes at eight months like I mean I still just had a baby and I think that the more we realize that and understand that and give ourselves grace and focus on you know what we are doing focus on the diet like man (laughs) it's just so it's uh I don't know I'm like, I, I'm not getting hoodwinked this next time because the devil really had me thinking I was crazy and I really just needed to eat and, and get sleep like most humans do. We need these things to survive. And I really thought that something was wrong with me and, you know, all of these things. And it's like, no, you weren't getting what you needed to survive and to function like you're supposed to. So anyways, what I would just say, um, to someone who may be going through that or feeling this way is focus on those, like the little things matter. Right. Um, what you're doing is important. You know, when you drink that sip of water, like it's important, you can do it. You are doing it. You need to do it. So I would just, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would just underscore the huge importance of your diet pre post after forever like it's just super important and just real quick alicia i know you mentioned that time frame that we give ourselves i know me it takes me a year it takes my body a whole year before anything is normal before anything is like in order like and i and it was with my second baby before i realized that it just takes me a year to recover like so just quit quit being yourself up like and just Take your sea mouse and keep on going. Pray in the spirit. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stay on that sea mouse, y'all. I see that. <laughs> but just um, no, just be patient with yourself. And then even you know, just another layer that I won't go into a lot of detail about. But that physical therapy for for that pelvic floor physical therapy was tough. It was hard. Like it was not fun. I just I wanted to be done. I wanted everything to be normal. But it's it. I mean a baby just came out of a whole entire human came out of it. So you got to give yourself grace. And with anything else that requires physical therapy, you know, we will be patient. So another part of the body, you got to be patient with. So it's funny. I have recommend CMOS on my <laughs> notes here about what to give health tips, but um, I would definitely, from my experience, I would definitely tell someone to pray, meditate, seek the father, stress, can can kill you just yeah. like you said Tori in one of our episodes it will kill you it's not that it can it will right. and yeah so definitely seek the father first stay connected um stay encouraged and we already touched on health and 
I like sea moss and herbs. And like you said, stay hydrated. And if you get a bad report, seek the father, seek the father and go before the father. And don't just take the report as the final say, because it it's very well that it's not. So don't put it in your belief system. And one thing I will add, you utilize your support system. Utilize your support system. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because that was one thing, even when in my four month period, when I felt like I was drowning, I didn't talk to anybody. My midwife was my midwife. She was like, are you talking to anybody? I was like, no, because I'm embarrassed. So no, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And then, which is, it was so backwards. I should have went to my leaders first, our mentors first, but I talked to my midwife first. And then after that, you know, I went to my leaders, started talking to my husband and even though he knew something was going on. But, you know, definitely utilize that support system. That's so true. That's my, that's my uh, testimony as well. I stay quiet. You be, you be using the same tricks. Ugh, I, just, mm. I just hate that doggone. I hate that. But you know what? Because we, and I'm just, I'm just believing that because we are talking about it, you know, that someone won't have to go through that same thing. And you'll see that dirty, stinking devil. Mm. And you won't do the same thing that we did because he is the same story like that that just blows my mind like he's not unique at all the the tactics and the stuff it's the same so you know now that we know that's why we have to guard ourselves be sober be diligent like just make sure that we're on top of it and that we are you know informed and like you guys like you said stay connected um that's huge because I did the same thing I was just like you know, I'm good, you know, just trying to downplay it. And because I was embarrassed too, because this was my second baby. So I shouldn't, you know, I should be fine. I should know what to do. And I should. So that's why I didn't, you know, I wasn't as vocal. So anyways, it doesn't matter. Those are some great tips and I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) All right. Well, this concludes our, since our session, if y'all want to reach out to Empowerment of Faith Kingdom Center for Ambassadors. The word that we get teaches us how to walk this thing out, how to apply um, the laws and how to apply the word to our lives as opposed to just hearing it. And as we say a lot, mental assenting, hearing it and not doing what the word says and actually it being reflected in our lives. So Our um, website is empowermentoffaith.org. And you can also listen to our YouTube messages at EOFKC. And we appreciate you guys listening. We hope that this message was a blessing to you guys. And shalom. Shalom.